Hello and welcome. I'm Sofiko and this is Creative Minds Speaking, a podcast where I have conversations with creative industry professionals, bringing into the spotlight those incredible people who are behind the scenes of art and entertainment is the main goal of this podcast. In today's episode, I'm going to chat with Alicia Kaye. Alicia is a product manager at Facebook, and before she used to be a product manager at Harmonix Music System. If you're familiar with these companies, you know that these are tech companies. So today we're going to talk about Alicia's journey and a little about tech and music. Hi, Alicia. Thank you for coming on the show. So happy to talk to you today. Hi, I'm so excited to be here. Thanks so much for having me. Yes, I'm so excited too. So I always start the conversation by asking my guests to introduce themselves. So I'd love to know more about your background and your story. Yeah, so uh, my name is Alicia. I currently live in San Francisco and I'm originally from Lafayette, Louisiana, which is a smaller town in Louisiana in the South and known for its Cajun food and people. Um, I grew up there and actually have lived um, all over. I left when I was 17 to go to college at the University of Chicago. And then um, I wanted (laughs) – what I thought I wanted to be was a doctor. So I was pre-med. I finished all my uh, pre-med requirements. And I have a really just weird background. It's not – it's not linear or traditional. You'll learn that about me, I guess. Uh, but I thought I wanted to be a doctor, finished all the requirements, and then I was miserable in a lot of my science classes. Even though I was super good at science and math and stuff in high school, I just lost the desire in college. And so I switched my major to anthropology because uh, I've always been really interested in people and how they behave and their and culture and stuff like that. And I ended up wildly getting into advertising (laughs) from being a doctor to working at an advertising agency. So I worked at an advertising agency uh, for about four years in Chicago. And um, I love that city, really miss it a lot. And uh, I I always, you know, kind of, I've always been into music. And so from just my time in advertising, I really got to think about what I wanted to do. And I realized that even though, you know, I liked my team and I was relatively good at my job, it wasn't the career that I wanted. So I just wanted to follow my passion, and uh, which is music. And uh, I quit my job and moved to Spain to do the uh, global entertainment and music business program at Berkeley, which you did as well. Uh, but a lot, I was older. I mean, not older, but earlier than you. I would like a while back. I feel old. I don't know why. But anyway, <laughs> I, I think you went just earlier, two years before me. No, I know. But I feel like two years is a lot at Berkeley for some reason. <laughs> like the program is totally different now. Um, but yeah, so I quit my job, went to Berkeley College of Music, did the master's program in global entertainment and music business. And when I went into the program, I was really interested in working in music. Um, I think for me, really interested in fashion and music partnerships and starting my own like company one day, but I realized that I wanted to get more experience first before doing that. 
And so I took this opportunity to uh, do a postgraduate fellowship with Berkeley ICE, which is the Institute of Creative Entrepreneurship. And I moved to Boston. I'd never been there before (laughs) and just moved there with the suitcase, three suitcases and no apartment. Uh, So that was wild. Found one in like three days. And uh, yeah, I went to work at Harmonix. So you said that you always loved music. You were always were into music. Why do you think you were afraid in the beginning, maybe, to pursue this degree in this field? Maybe you weren't really sure that you can have a career in this industry, or maybe there were other reasons? Yeah, no, that's a great question, because I kind of skimmed over uh, why I really wanted to go into music in the first place. So, um, you know, I grew up and was always in like my church choir, and then was in this, my school choir and musical theater, and I'm a vocalist, so... I did acapella and like recorded albums in college and just really am passionate about music. Like I love music. My dad plays um, the trumpet and bugle and I just grew up in a really musical family and um, just always listening to music and stuff like that. And one day I was actually sitting at a cafe with my friend the day after crying about like not being a doctor, like when I actually figured out that that's not what I wanted to be. And I had to tell my parents and my parents were very supportive. They were like, we didn't tell you that you needed to be a doctor. And I was like, I know, but I thought I did. And that kind of thing. And um, my roommate at the time, we were just studying. uh, And I was looking up, I think, internships and stuff like that. And the radio was playing and I sang along to every single song on the radio. Like I knew every single song, all the lyrics. And it was a lot of, I think it was an oldie station, like really old music, like my grandmother would love, my mom. But uh, she actually said to me, she's like, you just know so much music. Why don't you work in music? Because, you know, we were brainstorming, like, what could I actually do with this anthropology degree? <laughs> and um, it was It was a friend telling me, like, sometimes even though you're so passionate, like, I feel like music is, like, just a part of me, my being, if that makes sense. I never thought about it as a career. I never never thought that I would, I could be successful in working in, in, like, Mm -hmm. a passion like music. I thought I had to go after, you know, a more traditional path. And so just having her say that really opened up my eyes and, I tried applying to a couple of internships at traditional labels like Sony and and Universal, and I never heard back, of course, because it was like on the internet and I didn't know anyone there. And I knew it was going to be really hard to get into it. And it didn't work out for me, but I always in the back of my mind was like, maybe I can make a transition while working in advertising. And so when I went to do the program at that point, I was just super open because I just take it such a huge risk. Like I quit my stable job. (laughs) I left, you know, all my family and friends in a new country that I didn't speak the language. And um, yeah, I I think for me, you know, I, it, it took someone else to tell me that I should consider working in music for me to actually take the step. I totally feel what you're saying because I'm also a huge fan of music and I never considered working in the music industry because it was so abstract for me. So I totally get what you mean. Um, So after graduation, like after you graduated 
from Berkeley, you started working for harmonics, which is not a very typical career trajectory. Um, you went to work in tech while um, most of the like my peers and I guess your peers would love to go to the labels and or maybe work in the life sector of music industry or something. You decided to go to tech. Let's talk about that, how it happened yes, and let's, why. <laughs> let's talk about it. So I did the emerging business models track, which I think may be called entrepreneurship now. And the reason why I did that was because I was I've always looked at the music industry and laughed. I've always said, how is this industry so behind? Um, you can, and, and the answer is that, like, I don't know. But what I do know is that <laughs> I have some theories, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to get into that on this. Technology has been a constant in really pushing the music industry forward. And we've seen that with, you know, Apple introducing the iPod with Napster and like just the, the the digital single and streaming and where we are, those aren't innovations that were made by the music industry. Those were things that were made by tech people who were interested in tech and bringing music to people and making like lowering the barrier to entry for them. And so I just felt like going to a label, even though it would still be a dream to work at a label. Like in another life, I, I want to work at one, you know, I want to be A&R or work in promotions or something like that. But um, I think for me personally, as you know, I, I I'm a risk taker and I want to go, I want to invest my time and my energy on like what's coming and what's new and how, like what's, I don't know what's emerging, like the emerging business model. I was very interested in that, which is why I liked, which is why I focused on the fashion aspect because I felt that, you know, that was another, that was not the traditional way that people would think about, you know, music and stuff like that. But I, I don't know. I just like my, I just don't like doing what people, like the traditional thing anymore. After I said, I don't want to be a doctor. I said, whatever, then I'm gonna do whatever I want to do. I'll go work in tech. I so love it. Uh, to be honest, you know, it, if you had asked me in the program, Hey, Alicia, you're going to go work at a video game studio. I would have been like, that's weird. Probably not. However, a lot of people kind of pegged me as like the fashion girl, which I didn't love. I think they didn't really know that much about me in in a sense. Like I went to website build like coding camp when I was in middle school and I've always just been into technology, like, you know, making websites and I just love like I love tech. <laughs> and so I was just super open and I saw an opportunity to be a product manager and I want to be a CEO one day and I want to have my own company, but I didn't have the capital to do that. And there was this opportunity to go be a PM and learn how to bring products to life from zero to one and get this experience. And so for me, I just took it because I was like, it's music. I'm passionate about it. I played video games growing up <laughs> and I love like, I love building things. So that's how I went into tech and I'm, I'm don't regret it at all. It's really brought me amazing opportunities and um, it's been kind of wild to think about the past 
four years since um, I graduated, almost five years. But yeah, I guess that's how I went into tech. <laughs> yeah, sounds like the perfect place for you. And uh, was it hard for you to start working there? Because you never, like, is it hard to start working in the tech companies when you don't have, like, tech background? 1,000%. I'm just joking. <laughs> so it was the interesting, it was interesting. I, I showed up at Harmonix and, like, I had played Guitar Hero before, but I wasn't, like, a, you know, playing all their games and um the, the the game that they're known for is rock band so they developed the first two guitar heroes but i had never played rock band and rock band band's been around for over 10 years like it's re it's kind of embarrassing to admit so when i was like first day on the job i told the product manager that i was working with like hey uh i had never played this game before and he was like great like We need your perspective because we all have played this game so much that like we don't have we're jaded you know like we're not jaded we're biased like well we, first of all we, it's so brave of you to say this <laughs> I was like I cannot lie so I'm just gonna tell him because I'm already here so yeah. what's the worst that could happen exactly and you know they just accepted me and um, you know really helped I think that there was a lot of moments when I was onboarding and, you know, learning and getting experience in the beginning, that was hard because I had never worked in gaming, in like the gaming industry before. And I wasn't necessarily like a really big gamer. Like I love games and I love music, but I was someone who came in more from the music side. And so what was difficult was getting up to speed on what like this I didn't have the institutional knowledge that a lot of my peers had and so that felt difficult with tech and I think what can also be difficult sometimes is if you're not a really technical person like I'm not an engineer it's hard to understand sometimes the the language like the vocab they use or what they're trying to say or the questions they have and stuff like that but I really spent a lot of time building relationships. That's just my thing. And I feel like if you can do that, people are reasonable and they'll explain things to you. And I learned really quickly. So it was it wasn't the easiest transition, but it was it wasn't terrible if that if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. You made it work, so it's it's amazing. Um uh, after spending three years in harmonics, right? You I stopped, yeah, I stopped you on LinkedIn. You accepted a role in Facebook, which is even a bigger tech company. Um, so what it's like working there and what project manager does? What is it? Yeah, so um, I started working at Facebook in 2019 as a product manager and I work on the creation team specifically. Um, and basically what it's like being a product manager is just owning the vision and strategy for the product you're working so working on. So the way I like to describe product management to people is like it's my job to make sure that whatever we build is going to be the best thing for the people that's going to use it. And I would apply that to like any PM job that I have. So my main responsibility is to guide my team in what are we building? 
uh, what should we be investing in? Is this the right thing? Is this the right design? How do we build this faster? How do we learn from this? And how do we most importantly help people, make it easier for people to do whatever they're trying to do um, every day? So that's kind of what the product manager does. I love the role um, across like both companies that I've worked as a PM so far because you get to work with every single like division of the company or like cross-functional partners and there's no like same day. And it is kind of like the training ground for me for being the future leader that I want to be because I get to influence a, a, a group of people or not a group of people, but like I get to lead my team to be successful and sometimes fail, but that's part of the the learnings. And it's just really awesome. Like I just want to be a, a leader. So I, it's just, it's, I, I, I found the right job. It took me a while. Have, <laughs> you clearly have everything a leader should have. So um, one of the questions that I had for you is um, in those tech companies, because you worked in a couple already, um, what would you say is the percentage of like tech tech people and actually like music lovers? Because when I apply or look for jobs in on Apple Music or on Spotify or like Harmonics, most of them are just something very tech and mm-hmm. nothing that I could apply, for example, for. Um, what can you say about that? Yeah, so I think that there's a lot of jobs that do not require technical skills that could allow you to be involved in like the making of something technical or I don't know, like building a product that is music based, I guess you don't have to be this technical person to be a part of that team. And there's plenty of roles. Um, You know, there's the product manager, there's marketing. Um, We have, you know, communications and PR and um, also like part of my job when I worked at harmonics was choosing the soundtrack for my game that I worked on and so if I didn't have a musical background that would have been really bad and that was like what I used to my advantage like I knew music I studied it I, I live it and so I was like this is gonna be the best soundtrack ever and it was so um, <laughs> I'm clearly very humble and <laughs> I mean I invited you to talk about yourself so feel free to say anything about yourself <laughs> I I what I like to say is that you know it's all about how you pitch yourself it's all about how you frame the work you've done in order to sell yourself for the role. I think job descriptions are just job descriptions. Someone wrote them to describe the job, but that doesn't mean that you have to be exactly what's on the job description. And I don't know the statistic. I wish I did. But there is this statistic around the percentage of men who apply to jobs that have like that see a job description and maybe have like 10% of the meet 10% of the qualifications, they'll still apply. Whereas like women feel like they have to meet a hundred percent of the qualifications. And I'm not saying that's what that's happening. That's like 
what's happening with the like with you or what you asked me, but I felt that way personally. Like I would always go on job description and be like, I can't do that. Mm-hmm. Or I don't have that experience. Like I don't have 10 years of working like working mm-hmm. in the music industry and whatnot. And I just say go for it. Like, you know, the best thing to do is to find people that work at these companies and even have inter- informational interviews with them. Like, what do you do? Here's what I'm interested in. Like, I didn't see anything on the job boards. Like, what do you recommend? Are there positions that I could know be a part of and I think at some of these big tech companies it's really hard to find people who work at those so I recognize that but um I think you just have to go beyond the the job descriptions and try to make connections and just see how to get in uh but yeah as long as you can figure out how to spin like your work into what like you need to do like skills can be transferable Mm -hmm. that's a great advice thank you you clearly your leader, you're very proactive. Uh, how would you say, do you incorporate your personal interests and advocacy into your work? Yeah, that's a really great question. I think for me, you know, something that I really work on, I feel is one of my strengths is empathy. And I try to have empathy in everything that I do. And as being a Being a product manager, I think on the one scale, it's just like having empathy for the people using the product and understand what they're going through. But also, you know, being a black woman working in tech, there's not a lot of us in these roles. And so it's really important for me to be able to advocate for things like diversity and representation um, in my everyday job. And so uh, I, I do a lot. I go to like a lot of events and try to connect with people who are looking to either get into the industry or need help with something. Um, So just doing kind of informal conversations when I can. And um, in my everyday work, I – a big thing that I did when I worked at Harmonix that was how I brought, like, my personal self into the game I was working on is, you know, in the music that we selected for the game and also how the characters look in the game. And the team was already thinking about what, like, diversity in in the club. But I remember one day I was at work and there was just a bug. This was no one's fault. (laughs) Where all the characters, and by the way, I guess I didn't explain what I'm talking about. I was the product manager on Dance Central, which is a well-known franchise from Harmonix. And specifically, I worked on bringing that game to VR, which was a launch title for the Oculus Quest. And it also is released on the Oculus Rift. And so we were building a virtual reality club uh, that you could go in and play Dance Central. And in the club, all the people, like in the crowd, were white. And I was like, (laughs) I literally took off my headset. And I said, in the next meeting, I said, we need to fix this right away. I want to see people of all colors in this club. Also, another thing. We had a wardrobe where you could go and change like your hair and your makeup and your outfit. There was no curly hair. So I sent, you know, the artist like, here's 10 different ways to have, you know, thank you. Thank you. Your beautiful curly hair. (laughs) Here's, you know, 10 different ways we could do curly hair. And there's curly hair in the game. And there's people of all colors in the game. And it felt like the real world. And how... Sometimes I think, you know, it can be intimidating to 
go into work in tech because as a woman, especially as a as a person of color, a black woman, because you're like, oh my gosh, are people going to take me seriously? Like, how am I going to navigate this? And there's no one that looked like me here. Like, what am I going to do? And the my approach has always been, instead of feeling like a victim and feeling like, well, you know, it's not diverse, so this sucks for me. How do I advocate for diversity? How do I be the person that really brings a different perspective? How can this be a positive? And I just feel like I'm so proud of that game because I think that the team without me would have also had a diverse uh, crowd because they were thinking through these things. But I just recognized what I contributed and that was how I made a difference. Even if I was, you know, the the only Black woman PM or the only Black woman on my team, I still made an impact by utilizing my differences to create something that more than just a normal gamer could enjoy. Mm -hmm. Love it. Love it. I love how you don't see yourself as a victim, but on the opposite, you show how much you can bring to the game. To the game. (laughs) Yeah. And and I, I also do have the same at the, at the same time I don't think it's the responsibility of like the only person that has any diversity at a company to fix a company it, yeah, that shouldn't fall on that person but also I recognize that you know maybe even if you're not in even if you're even if you're not in a really diverse uh team or company or whatever um that doesn't mean that's not it could, it should be diverse because you want your teams to represent the world and have different perspectives it's very important uh diversity and thought as well but you know those things aren't always fixed overnight and mm-hmm. for me i just took advantage of the situation and said hey how can i contribute positively and take this opportunity to just bring a pers- bring a different perspective and really push my team even if I this shouldn't all fall on me, I'm gonna go after it and I'm gonna really help us come up with something that we're all proud of and that represents, you know, mm-hmm. more than just a one perspective. So love it. Uh, so other than bringing um, all your qualities into your work, you last year you raised $53,000 for COVID-19 relief by yourself, not as a part of the project at work, not as a part of anything, just by yourself. Let's talk about this. This is amazing. Let's talk about it. Thank you so much. Honestly, this was what I, I've reflected in the past couple of months on this. I think it's every time I hear it, I, I don't really believe it. It feels even shocking to me that in such a dark time, my little self was able to do something like this. (laughs) So, you know, they always say that like everything, all the answers are within you. And I never understood that until staying home with Alicia was born. So basically what happened was I was stuck in sheltered place like everyone else, but I live alone and I was really scared to be alone for that long, like trapped, not just alone because I have to be, I'm sorry, 
I was really scared about being isolated for months. Like when they said it was going to be three weeks, I knew. I was like, it's going to be longer. I'm going to be by myself in a pandemic. This is terrifying. We didn't, they didn't, we didn't know much about COVID at the time. I'm not going to see my parents. Like I lived in California and the Bay Area was the first city to have like the really strict shelter in place where everything was closed. You couldn't go anywhere in the United States at least. And so I was like, oh my gosh. And I had a moment, you know, where I was like sad for a week. And then I started making these Instagram stories, just showing people what I'm doing. They were really dumb. They were just like, here's how I make turkey bacon. And here's my, here, it's like MTV Cribs, like, here's my studio. And this is my glasses cabinet. And these are the types of water glasses I have and champagne glasses and wine glasses. And like, I love like putting a boiled egg and it's in a solo container. I know you can go on my Instagram profile and see them. They're all in the highlights and they're just so embarrassing. And then every, every day I would end it like, here's my outfit of the day. I'm wearing, you know, socks with slippers and just horrible stuff. I'm embarrassed to watch it now, but people like kept messaging me saying, Alicia, you're really like helping me through the pandemic. This, you know, and I was like, okay, great. I'm glad my, you know, natural sense of humor and being a clown really resonates with you. And from there, I was like, you know, I just, I feel like we need to have a virtual hang. I feel like I need to brand this thing. It's like staying home with Alicia. And I started to have like daily episodes and I I love Mariah Carey. Okay. I, I love Mariah Carey. (laughs) Look, If I were to die, like, I would consider, I would put it in my will. Like, please put a Mariah Carey quote, like, a song lyric on my grave. Like, that's how deep my love for Mariah Carey is. So I, you I ever think it's kind this, of the same as my love for Beyonce. And I love Beyonce as well, you know? I love Beyonce. But, yeah, I, Mariah is my girl. And so the one of my favorite albums of all times is The Emancipation of Mimi. That album slaps. And so I did this you know, virtual party, I emailed my friends and I said, we're going to stop being sad. Everybody dress up, put on some nice clothes. I'll see you Friday night, 6 p.m. You know, I'm going to play, we're going to listen to the album and then we'll play like some other music after. And uh, yeah, the first party happened. We ended up being on the line till 4 a.m. Starting at 6 p.m. We were all drinking and having fun. And it there was no charitable component at that time. It was really just to bring my friends together. And it was just so awesome to have friends all over the world come together on a Zoom. Like that wouldn't have happened if we weren't all stuck inside. And so um, after I played this the album, I played like old school like hip-hop and r&b from like the 2000s and 90s and everyone was just loving it and um i dj'd i learned how to dj when i went to berkeley and um i had done some you know dj things like it while in spain and and so i just i just had zoom in the spotify playlist basically i didn't live mix or anything like that but i just did what i knew how to do and then every, I was like, okay, well, I'll do this every week. We're in shelter in place. And everyone was like, okay, great. And so the next week, it was like we decided on like Usher. We're going to do an Usher party and listen to the Confessions album. It was iconic. And uh, 
I texted a friend and I said, hey, I have this idea. What if I charged an optional cover of like five to $10, like what you would pay at a club, and we just donate whatever we raise to a, a cause that's helping people in the pandemic because I just really passionate about giving back. I had worked in nonprofit development in the past and I've done a lot of fundraising for nonprofits throughout my like life. Um, but not like on my own, like on a junior board or, you know, part of a team. And so I didn't I didn't think much of it. I thought we'd 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 raise like a hundred dollars. And we raised six hundred dollars um for Pizza versus Pandemic, which is an organization that was helping small businesses affected by the pandemic by ordering pizza and then delivering those pizzas to the healthcare workers at the hospitals so that they could have meals. And um, from there, I was like, well, I guess we'll do something next week. And we did it for 19 parties. We uh, raised money and I just kept, you know, promoting it on my Instagram. And then I built a website, like landing page and MailChimp, like email list. And I just, it was crazy. Like, I don't know how I raised $50,000. And let me tell you, it was through Venmo and Cash App. Like people were sending me this money. I have spreadsheets because I was like, I'm so scared. This is so much money. Like I want to make sure it gets to the right place. But, um, you know, we couldn't have done it without also a, a lot of the of, a lot of my friends helped with making our money uh, stretch. Or, not, sorry, I'm gonna say that I couldn't have done it as well without the friends who donated their corporate matches. So I had a few friends that worked at companies that were matching some like up to two uh, two times the donation that we could provide. They would match whatever we donated, and the biggest night we had, we raised 10,000 in cash, I believe. And we raised, we ended up raising $18,000 in one night. And I was just like, this is wild. And it was a unity night that I hosted um, right after George Floyd and Breonna Taylor tragically were killed and just talking, you know, there was a lot of conversation in, in the world really around you know, being black and Black Lives Matter. And I just really wanted people to come together and I wanted to help. And we p- I picked five organizations um, that helped uh, specifically with uh, mental health. And that's when we raised like $18,000. And I don't know, it just feels like there's nothing like that feeling of being trapped and not being able to help. And for me, mm-hmm. it was just this really organic thing that happened. Literally all I had was Spotify Zoom and and in the internet. <laughs> and that's what I did. I I never thought I would raise $53,000. You know, I didn't get paid to do that. That was all volunteer work. You know, I spent a lot of time like I made all of my um like all of the art and like the posters for all the parties and I really took it seriously and it saved me. You know, it gave me a purpose in a time where I felt hopeless. And I, if I could do more, I, I, I would. I'm actually thinking about bringing them back <laughs> this year uh, because, you know, we're still in a pandemic. But yeah, that's how I raised $53,000. It's wild. I, I don't know how that happened, but uh, we helped a lot of people. And this was all jo- 
you know, donations from generous friends and family. Like, I, I love this story so much because it shows that all you need, like, you don't need a lot to, to actually help people. You really don't need a lot. All you needed was Zoom, like, internet and, like, Spotify. That's it. And you have yeah, that's so it. many people. I love it. And, um, I mean, it started as a joke, but, like, a game or fun. But I really love how it ended up. And it's amazing. Thank you, really, for helping others. I think... I'm pretty sure everybody's very helpful for you. And like, not only you helped other people like with money, you also helped a lot of your friends by just providing this platform and just having fun and like distracting from all these problems. It's amazing. Alicia. Absolutely. We, we have like people became friends that like my friends that had never met each other became friends through this. And we really built a community and the money, the fundraising was just, the icing on the top, you know, mm -hmm. for me, it was really about the community we were building and it was just so special. Mm -hmm. It was so special. And I'm so grateful that I was the vehicle, I guess, for yeah. that to happen because I do feel like it was a bigger thing that was driving me to do it. Mm -hmm. And I also think it was something I didn't mention, but, you know, I have always, you know, as someone who wants to be an entrepreneur and, and wants to be successful in, in whatever endeavors I do, I always feel like I overthink. Like I try really hard to say like, how am I going to come up with something that's going to be amazing? And then I was like, what if you just are yourself? You know, you just did, you just did something that is incredible. Like you raised $50,000 in your living room. Um, that's wild, like with no resources <laughs> besides like what you already have. And um, I think it taught me other lessons like about the, my career. And, you know, even if I'm not working on like a music project at the moment, I created a music project for myself outside of my everyday job. And that, that just felt great. Like I feel like I, you can make your own opportunities, even if they're not what you expect them to be, you can still be connected to whatever you want to do in, in, in music and whatnot. So I don't know if any of that made sense, but does, I, just, I, just, does. I just felt like, you know, I don't know until, until I like do the thing that I'm going to do that. I don't know what I'm going to do in my career, but that was just awesome. And, and I loved it. <laughs> yeah. It's brilliant. Um, do you ever feel burnt out? Yes. All the time. <laughs> How do you do so, this? Okay. I think for me, like, it go it comes and goes. My actual job is my number one priority. So anything outside of work, it's going to be, you know, on my free time and really supplemental. I think at a, at a point, I did feel burnout from the dance party specifically because I was burnt out at work because I hadn't taken any vacation. Like I looked at my PTO last year and I took zero days for like until November um, of the year, which is wild. Um, and so I just really advocate for understanding what your boundaries are in whatever you're doing and making sure you prioritize yourself within those. So for me, it's closing my computer you know, at 6 p.m. or set or 
seven whenever or not looking at my phone on the weekends, um, making sure I take walks or get some exercise and connect with friends or just honestly sit and watch TV and not talk to anyone. Um, the dance parties were hard because I felt at some point like, oh my gosh, I'm tired from work. I'm tired from this pandemic. And like, but I I have to do this because my friends are depending on me, you know? And honestly, I told them and they were like, Alicia, take a break. Like, take a month break. And I was like, okay. And then I changed the cadence of the parties from weekly to biweekly to then we did like monthly in the end. And I think just really, I I don't do a great job of escalating those things to myself until it's at the point where I'm burnt out. And mm-hmm. so I'm trying to work more on recognizing what leads to burnout and trying to pump the brakes before I get I'm burnt out because once you're burnt out, that's it. Um, at the end of the year, I took a lot of vac- I took like weeks off of work, which was amazing, and I I got to go and visit my family and after not seeing them for a year, and and that was really wonderful, but. I think the advice I have there is just find whatever helps you like decompress or um, whatever. I don't know. Like some people meditate, some people, you know, exercise, some people watch TV, they hang out with friends, they travel and stuff like that. So I just say whatever it is and just set those boundaries for yourself and make it and make sure that you prioritize your Mm -hmm. mental health because – if you're going too hard and you get burnt out, you're not going to be able to like finish the marathon, you know? Definitely. And it's not a sprint. So that was so corny, but that's how I feel. No, <laughs> thank you for sharing. Um, what would you say are your life highlights? Ooh, my life highlights. I think that my life highlights are just, I don't know. I feel like everything is a highlight. Um, I'm really blessed. And I, I've i gotten so many opportunities. My parents worked really hard to get to send me to a school that would open doors for me. And I have, you know, I don't know. I just have a lot of, I'm privileged in that aspect and, I'm really grateful that, you know, I was able to leave home and go to college. And I think moving to Spain and being able to travel in Europe for the first time and travel alone and do all these things were just, it's a priceless opportunity that I had that was just a highlight in my life. And it wasn't just about being in your living in Europe and traveling to Europe. It was about being on my own and exploring new places and meeting different people and feeling like I could do whatever I want. And and that's how I feel. Like after I came back from Spain, I was like, I can do whatever I want. And I moved to Boston. Then I moved to San Francisco. Like I'll probably move somewhere else one day. You know, I don't want to, but um I just think having all like everywhere I've lived has been a highlight. Like, growing up in Louisiana was amazing. Being able to go to Chicago, then Valencia, then Boston, now the Bay Area. Like, it's just incredible. I feel I feel like I've accomplished so much, and I'm only, you know, 31. <laughs> and 
I just have no regrets on how I move through my life. And so, yeah, I would say the highlights are all the cities I lived in because they each brought me like a, a unique life experience. And it wasn't always easy. I had a lot of tough moments, but I love it. That's beautiful. Um, how would you define success for yourself? Okay, so I'm really hard on myself when it comes to success. And I have to tell myself I'm successful. I have to remind myself that I'm successful because I think I have one of those personalities where no matter how much I achieve, I'll just want to achieve. And I think recognizing that about myself was really critical in the past year because I kept, I raised $53,000, right? And we were like, whoa, that's a lot. But honestly, after it was all said and done, I didn't really feel like I did anything. And that's, I probably should talk to my therapist about this. But um, I think the reason why I reacted to this question is because, or I know that I want to make an, a big impact in the world. And I just feel like I haven't done that. But that doesn't mean that it hasn't happened. And so I realize, I recognize that like my perception of what is success and what others think of what is success is it's a lot different. And uh, so when I, yeah, so for me, I think as long as I'm progress, like I'm growing and I am continuing to have impact in my everyday life with whether that's my relationships with friends or family um, things I do to give back in the community or how I, you know, perform at work and those are moments of joy, then that's success for me. I feel like I don't want to chase like this idea of happiness. It's like, what are the things that bring me joy? And if I can achieve that, then that is success. Do I feel that way every day? No, but I'm working on it. I'm working on it. I'm working on it because I definitely am like type A overachiever. Like there's there's no question about that. And it's not healthy sometimes because, you know, what is the purpose? What is our purpose on this earth? And I think about that a lot. And I just am like, I need to do something that helps a lot of people. And it just hasn't helped. It hasn't happened yet. So just keep going and then you're successful. And I don't know. That's not the best attitude to have. So I'm trying to be nicer to myself and congratulate myself more. <laughs> you probably have this feeling just because you know that you'll do bigger things. And as you said, as you understand that you haven't done it yet, that's why you're just like, okay, so I did this great thing. What is my next great thing, right? <laughs> right. No, I love that. And I, I feel like that sounds kind of, I don't know how that sounds, but I definitely know that I'm not done. Mm -hmm. Um, but I, I'm trying to, I'm trying to change my mindset around success because I've just focused so much on myself and my career and what I want to do. And like, girl, you did it. Like you, <laughs> you got all, you know, like you got your, your, your dream job, you know, it's like, you did it. Like, even if, and I tell myself, even if this is the last job I ever have, you know, in my life, like if this is how it ends you did something so amazing and I'm so proud of you, Alicia. That's what I have to tell myself because 
I don't want to get to the point where my life passes by and I just feel like I'm not good enough Mm -hmm. because I didn't, I didn't hit the level that I thought because I don't think there's a level. I think it's just the sky's limit. It's infinite. So I don't know. I saw you shaking your head. So I feel like that resonated with Well, uh, now that we're done with the like official part of the interview, I would ask you some very quick uh, questions. Some of them are silly, so we may laugh. Um, Do you have any book, movie and song recommendations? Uh, Yes, I do. Okay, so book, movie and song, Mm -hmm. right? Okay, so book recommendations. I recently have been reading a lot of fiction with my book club, and I prefer nonfiction, so I'm going to have a nonfiction recommendation. <laughs> I recommend everyone read uh, Bad Blood. Um, it's about the scandal with Elizabeth Holmes. Uh, it's by John Carreyou. Um, it's called Bad Blood Secrets and Lies in Silicon Valley. Sorry, I butchered the name. And uh, Elizabeth Holmes was uh, – do you know who she is? She was the first, like, uh, self-made billionaire named by Forbes and, like, this woman who was, you know, supposedly this, like, incredible, you know, entrepreneur coming up and, you know, brilliant person and the – health tech industry and it was all a lie and like it's so much scandal and it's it's like a crazy story and I just feel like everyone needs to read it uh because yeah it's wild like what people do to I, I do believe that she really wanted to succeed in her mission but the way that they went about it was just so sketchy and just unbelievable so definitely recommend that and for movie, um, let's see, what movies? I love I love watching movies. I think that uh, if you haven't watched Sister Act 2, because that's my favorite movie of all time, definitely watch it because Lauren Hill's in it. And it's incredible, Whoopi Goldberg. <laughs> it's very old. It's from the 90s. <laughs> and then uh, song, I would recommend. I have this one of my favorite bands. They're no longer a band, or they were like a duo. They're called Quadrant, and they're uh, they're this Danish like soul electro electro soul group, and I'm obsessed with them. And there's a song called Sea Salt that is just so funky and a vibe. I like a lot of music that's slow uh and i don't know i just love that song so check it out thank you so much i've never heard about this uh duo i would love to check them uh who is your celebrity crush oh my god this is so this is so just i can't even say it out loud because that's how bothered i am by this man reggae jean page if you hear this i'm available and (laughs) i don't know if y'all watch bridgerton but let me tell you okay that man that's all i'm gonna say just go watch bridgerton that's all i'm gonna say because whoo 
okay. <laughs> I just, uh, that's it. That's all, that's all I can say on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> You're so funny. Um, <laughs> what is the most useless talent that you have? I'm really good at remembering song lyrics. And I don't need to. <laughs> I like no song. I just like no lyrics to like every song that I like. Like old stuff. Like I just, I'm really good at song lyrics. Like I'm good at the trivia mm-hmm. stuff, but I, it's not like I do trivia all the time. So I think that's use, that's useless. That's I mean, a useless yeah. talent. Yeah. But I mean, you have a good memory. So that's, that's good. I definitely have a good memory. Yeah. <laughs> Very good memory. <laughs> but uh, that is useful. <laughs> yeah. It, it, yeah. Uh, and the last question for you is, who inspires you the most? Wow. Who inspires me the most? Hmm. Mariah Carey, because she is a butterfly and she's so inspiring. She had a really hard upbringing and childhood and despite all of that she's been able to share her talent and her gifts with the world and I just love her she's a diva and she's amazing singer and yeah I mean who doesn't want to be pushed around wearing heels in a rolling chair by security your security like isn't that the goal I would I will tell you some people don't so <laughs> but as a fan of Beyonce I again understand you <laughs> Oh my gosh Oh my gosh yeah that was that was a funny one I love you Mariah But on a serious note I will say my friends inspire me the most All of my friends are just doing incredible things and they just, you know, they say surround yourself with people who, or you are who you surround yourself with. That's, I think that's the phrase. And I really surround myself with just incredible human beings that accept me and challenge me. And I'm really inspired by them every day. And I call them my best friends. I have multiple So I'm not going to say anyone's name so I don't get in trouble. Uh, but you know who you are. I love you and you inspire me. That's beautiful, Alicia. Thank you so, so much for this conversation. You are so inspiring. You are truly inspiring. You're such a diva yourself. Uh, <laughs> I think there is a lot. It's an to, honor. I think there is a lot to learn from you, and I am so excited to share our conversation with others. Oh my gosh! Thank you so much, and you are inspiring. I'm so happy that you asked me to do this. I think this is such an this is an incredible concept, and listen to you know some of the episodes, and I'm excited for the future ones, and it's just really amazing that you're doing this. So thank you so much. Mm-hmm.